brokenhearted and saves those who are what? Crushed in spirit. So it's a good place to be, to be brokenhearted and crushed in spirit because the Lord is near. Matthew chapter 25, verses 10 through 13. That's what we're going to be in this morning. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, other, afterwards the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Lord, what a, an appropriate song for the message this morning. What an appropriate song for ending abortion. We thank you for that. We thank you for the encouragement that that song is, and we thank you for the scripture that tells us the, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And as we were worshiping this morning, Lord, I was just... Uh, Think, thinking of uh, Jennifer's uh, brother and uh, Brandon, Brandon and Angie uh, down in Florida. And for whatever reason, uh, I, I lift uh, Brandon and Angie up to you, the church that he's pastor of. I pray that you'd bless them this morning. I prayed most of all this morning, dear Lord, that you would bless this message and that you'd do with it what you see fit to do. Amen. Well, we're in the third message, and as far as I know, the last message uh, from these, these verses, the king and his marriage procession, uh, the Olivet Discourse, the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, two different preachers in the last few days have uh, talked about preaching through the book of Matthew, and so, uh, uh, and we're... We're on course, if the Lord doesn't come back pretty soon, that we're going to get through the book of Matthew. But I'm so thankful that uh, we, we are here in this time and this place today that uh, we can look at two difficult passages. One we looked at back in chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 21 through 23. And, and I use it, it's, it's, mostly my, it's mostly my introduction message to someone to explain to them that a lot of what's going on in America today is not real Christianity. And the scripture starts out and says, uh, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And then 22 and 23 hammers down on elders and preachers and evangelists. said, Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. I mean, do mighty work in the church. And it says, and then he said to them, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The, uh, the uh, passage that we're reading out of ESV says, you workers of lawlessness. So that's the passage that we'll be also looking at today. So Matthew 25, 13, and you need to have your Bible open there because... If it has to do with chapter 25, you're going to have to look 
in your Bibles as I read it because I didn't have enough room to put it all in. Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Uh, that goes in two respects. Uh, not everybody has uh, uh, serious cancer and knows that their time is short. Uh, not everybody knows that. So death will catch many uh, off guard. It, it will be, be sudden. The coming of the Lord... Uh, by the time we hear the trumpet, we'll also see Jesus on the, crowd, on the clouds. That's going to be sudden. And the way I read the Scripture, even, even us, I think we'll be overjoyed, but I think it will even catch us by surprise. Now, why would that be the case? We've been waiting for 2,000 years, have we not? All right, so we'll be a little surprised when he comes, just the, it, that he chose that time to come if we're still here. So, really, we went through chapter 24, and really in chapter 25, nothing has really changed. The most significant thing is that Jesus begins to use parables in his teaching tool. The parable of the ten virgins. Next week, we're going to look at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, we're going to look at that scripture in Matthew, uh, Revelation 19, uh, verses 1 through 10 or 11, and we'll look at that because we've been looking at the marriage uh, uh, we're going to look at marriage in two or three different ways next week. But the most important marriage is whether or not we are married to Christ. Whether or not we, as an individual and as a church, are, are His bride. And that's the one that we need to make sure that we're a part of. We'll look at the parable of the talents. We'll look at the sheep and the goats. Wow, what some, what some powerful messages that we get to look at. Each parable has its point, but taken together, uh, you young people are ready. Jesus is just telling us over and over and intensifying his broad warnings to be alert, to be watchful, to be what? Ready. That's the key. So we're looking at what that looks like this morning, um, in particular to the five uh, unwise virgins. He says, I'm coming soon unexpectedly coming, we need to be ready. Verse 10, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, there's those words, the same words we had in chapter 7. Lord, Lord. They said the right things, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, just a little different way of saying I never knew you, he now says, I do not know you. Young people, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, if you don't know him as your Redeemer, as your Savior, as your Substitute, Today, it's very important. If you're old enough to understand this message, it's very important that you get to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Because even young people unexpectedly leave this world. Verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, the bridegroom came. Five are gone away getting oil. The bridegroom came, and those there went in with him 
and the door was shut. The five that were gone came back and they wanted in. Beat on the door and wanted in. And the bridegroom told them that he did not know them. So they were there. They were somewhat prepared. They even had their lamps. But they were not ready at that moment that they could go in. And the door was shut. Now I want to tell you, this, this passage was way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And I, I pray that I've got it worked out in a such a way that you can understand and that the Lord will be pleased with. Uh, in, in the big scheme of things, this phrase, I never knew you, and uh, particularly this phrase, I do not know you, uh, to, to just take it separated as I do not know you and try to preach that, that that's not consistent with the message. Okay? The consistency of the message all around is preparedness, preparedness to go into heaven and to be ready. But we are going to look at this, I do not know you. Because I think it is significant. But the main point is being alert, being watchful, be ready. And I saw that as I tried to prepare somewhat of a topical message for I do not know you. So, two difficult statements. I never knew you, or I do not know you. Two statements that we never, never want to hear from the Lord. So would there be some urgency to not just know the Lord, but to be well acquainted with the Lord? Would that be a a good assessment of the situation? Well, aren't we glad that He has given us the graces... He's given us what we need to know Him. He's opened our eyes. He's opened our ears. He's opened our heart. He's given us the Word of God. And He gave gave us two knees and hands and hearts and lips to lift up and to, to know Him through prayer. He's given us the graces. So today we're going to look at three keys to being known and in turn being ready. So when I was reading it just this morning, you know there's two passages in Hebrews, chapter 6 and chapter 10, that that it reads such that it would make us think that we could be saved and lose our salvation. And we know that when we search the Scriptures, that's not a possibility. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. But the the Scripture in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 is is so uh, emphatic that it would make you think that you could. But what it's really doing is giving us this unction to just make sure of what we do believe and it being so. So... So what, in the context that I saw in this passage, we don't want to just take a chance of maybe knowing Jesus. Are you with me? We want to be so diligent in our searching after Him that there is no doubt that we know Him and He knows me. 
Uh, so, on my little tour this uh, since Thursday morning, uh, I was meeting a, a former classmate. No, uh, more than that, a former roommate in college. And uh, we have kept up over the years, but we haven't seen each other often. So, I was going to a restaurant to meet him. And so, uh, I go in, and I'm, I'm looking for one guy, right? Well, uh, this guy stood up at the table, and there was a woman and a young woman and two kids there. And I think, well, this is not the right guy. But it was, okay? But I haven't, haven't seen him just a time or two in, in all of these years since 1969, 1970. So, I didn't know him. That should Never, never, never be the case with a child of God and his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It should be an impossibility. He ought to know our face. He ought to know our voice. He he ought to know us. He ought to know me better than Jeannie knows me. So, three points this morning. Be enthusiastic and intentional about seeking God and doing the will of God. Did you hear that? Enthusiastic and intentional. Don't take any chances. Number two, be intentional about putting off sin. If you know Christ, you're going you're gonna to be known as a repentor. A confessor. And number three, be sure you have entered into the kingdom of God. The door is open today to enter the kingdom of God. That door will not be open always. It will be closed at our death or His coming. Entering at the time that the door is open, this makes a whole lot of sense. Is the only time you can enter, and that is the time that you better enter, because that's the only time that you can enter. So, let's look at the two texts, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. You have these in your notes. The other will be right there in your lap where you have the Bible open. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 22, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, your workers of lawlessness. And, and we would think, we would think in our thinking, how could that ever happen? How could it ever, ever happen with, with these people, this person? How could it ever happen? Well, it can. Here was someone that said, Lord, Lord. Here was someone doing the works of, quote, God. 
But he says, I never knew you. And look at another identifying characteristic of that person. Look at the last word in verse 23. You workers of lawlessness, evil, iniquity. So it's not about what we say necessarily, Lord, Lord, but about whether or not we're doing the will of God. It's about that. It's, it's not about the works that we do necessarily. What attitude and why are we doing what we do? And then thirdly, listen, people who know Jesus will sin, but they're not going to be able to live in that sin. Their relationship with Jesus is going to always bring them to repentance. So, it's not just what we say. That won't cut it, will it? Come on now. That's cutting it in America today. I believe in God. That's what they think is cutting it in America today. That won't cut it. What we say better line up with who we are and what we do. Amen? A a person that knows God, and, and if God knows us, our goal in life is to be about one primary thing, doing the will of God for God's glory. You know, the only good works that we get credit for are the works done by God's grace for God's glory alone. Anytime we do it out of selfish ambition, we get no credit for it. Because we don't want to hear these dreaded words. Do you you think those standing around at this time had any idea that these people who said the right thing were doing the right thing would hear these words? You you know what we ought to be striving for? That hearing these words is an impossibility for us. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I look around at these men and uh, I, had, I had no idea. You know, it, you kind of got to be exposed to it sometime to, uh, to, to know what's going on. But evidently in the evangelical church and in the realm of, of preachers, there is an epidemic of pornography. It's, it's, it's been an epidemic for ever since this came out. Computers came out. But evidently, it is a rising epidemic among preachers, evangelists. Uh, I, I don't know if you'll remember it or not. We've talked about this before, and this was 10 years ago. Uh, Craig and uh, Virginia Chambers you know, they'd go every spring and work at the North American Mission Board getting ready to send pastors overseas on mission assignments. They got to the place that just to get people to go, they would send preachers and missionaries that still dwelt with pornography. So it's evidently an epidemic. So, so what I'm saying here 
this lawlessness does not have to be out there in the open that everybody can see. Come on now. I want to tell you, I'm, I, for me, I think it's more, it's more to do with what's in here than what's out here. We must be doing the will of God out of a heart right with God. The best we can heart. Now, this gets more difficult every day. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, there's a couple of people in here I can share. You can talk to them and we'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. We are at a place in the world that it is getting more and more and more difficult with staying in a right relationship, even with family. We are at a we are at a dividing point. Y'all, y'all, y'all about cancel culture? Okay. Anybody can cancel you at any moment. We're at a dividing point. So we must be doing the will of God while putting away sin. We must not. We cannot be called workers of lawlessness, even in our thought process. Because who knows our thoughts? He knows them. Matthew 25, 10 again. But while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So the exhortation... And I, I know some of you young people are listening this morning. Listen to me. Uh, I am observant from the pulpit. And I believe that some of you are being dealt with by God this morning. That today is the day that you need to come to know the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. To become followers of Jesus. Don't get distracted. Don't put it off. Today may be your day of salvation. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd keep the evil one away. I pray that you'd open up hearts and minds, eyes, ears to hear the truth and to bring even young people to the place of repentance and believing in the gospel. Verse 11, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he, but he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, to interpret these verses, and we've kind of been looking at this in the parables, and it's a good teaching for all of us. Uh, usually you can interpret Scripture by what happened before and what happened after. Okay? What happened before and what had happened after the text that you're looking at. And that is the case here today. So, in chapters 24... 44 through 51, we had the account of the wise servant and the wicked servant. <clears throat> All right, a wise servant and a wicked servant. Master was gone. One servant was doing 
what he was left to do and the other one wasn't. In that account, we have one taking care of the master's business and the other not. But in chapter 25, 13 through 30, where, where we'll be in a couple of weeks, the parable of the talents, in this account, we see the truth that when you're, we're given something to work with, we are to work with it to the best of our ability. That would make us a good tenant, a good steward. In the verses that we have today, in verses 10 through 13, what business did the virgins have? To be ready for the bridegroom coming, they knew that one of the main things they would do would to be have, to have their lamps and have them ready to burn as they were going to lead the wedding procession through town into the bridegroom's home so they could enter in. That was the work that they had to do. They had to be ready when the bridegroom came. But they were not ready. And because they were not ready, they did not enter at the door when the opportunity arose. In chapter 7, we also see this sin or lawlessness mentioned, but now in chapter 25. Just a couple of things in kind of wrapping up this uh, a little bit of introduction. Matthew 25, 12 says, But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. In Matthew 7, 23 again it says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All confess Jesus as Lord. Both of them. Matthew 25, 11, he says, After the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord. Matthew 7, 23 says, No, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, I want to look at the two words, no. No in chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, is in Strong's Concordance. If you don't have a biblical concordance, you need one. Now, you got a phone, all of you have got one. And there's really some advantages to that on the phone because you can pull it up and not only can you pull it up and see the definitions, but you can also uh, hear the pronunciation of it. <clears throat> so I don't want you to think I'm some kind of scholar to get the definition of this. Uh, not, the, not only the definition, but also the pronunciation if I might happen to get it right. So in... In, in verses 7, 21 through 23, this word is a little stronger, no. And the word is, it means to come to know or recognize. I did not recognize my former roommate, which means I lived with him in the same room. And, and back then, a college dorm was big enough for two twin beds and no bathroom in it, okay, and maybe a, a, a little study with a lamp. I mean, you get to know somebody in a room like that, okay? But when it came time, I did not recognize him. If he hadn't have came towards me, I'd have never figured it out. Matter of fact, he showed me a picture of Mother's Day. And so yesterday, or Friday, he had a cap on. And uh, he's got a full beard now. And so I look at the picture of the Mother's Day, which was what back in May... And I, I, I'm, I'm like, well, who's this guy? You know, he didn't look anything like he looked today. 
So, to come to know, to recognize, perceive. And this is how you pronounce it. Uh, you, you can see, well, you don't have the phonetic spelling, but uh, the word is ginosko. Ginosko. Like began ginoska. To come to know, recognize, perceive, to know. Now, listen to this. How do you really get to know somebody? Through personal experience. My knowing God through Jesus Christ will not help you. You've got to personally know Him. Young people, your mama and daddy knowing Him won't do you any good. It's a personal knowing. And then we come to chapter uh, 25. And uh, the word is, it's uh, E-I-D-O, to be aware of, behold, consider, perceive. The phonetic pronunciation is a dose. And it's to be aware of, behold, consider, perceive, uh, remember, appreciate. So if you want a little a language lesson, that's a feeble attempt. But let's get to our three points this morning. Okay? Today, we'll look at three key points. Again, be enthusiastic, and get this word, enthusiastic and intentional about seeking God and doing the will of God. Do you hear me? It's not just going to happen. It's not going to happen by you thinking about it a couple of times during the day and laying down at night and going to sleep thinking you're going to come to know Him. It's not going to happen that way. It's about seeking after the will of God. It's about being in His Word. It's about being in prayer, doing the will and the work of God. Number two, be about putting off sin. Listen, what was the greatest characteristic of David? First of all, he was a sinner that needed a Savior. <laughs> Amen? I mean, the murder and adultery. Lying conniving. But what was the greatest characteristics? He was quick to confess and quick to repent. That will define you if you're a follower of Jesus. So in confessing and repentance, who do you really get to know? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only place that the forgiveness and repentance comes from. You've got to go to Him for that. Number three, be sure you've entered into the kingdom of God. The door's open today. Once we draw our last breath, once we hear the trumpet, too late. The door's open today. If you've never entered in through the door of Jesus Christ, today is today to make that happen. So be enthusiastic, intentional about seeking God and doing the will of God. The ten virgins we have before us in the passage... The wise and wicked servants, okay, the ones that we're looking at. In the passage after the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, both of these deal with being about the Lord's business. Are you with me? If you know Him, you will be diligent about doing the business He left you to do. The bottom line is to know God, 
to lead your wife and children to know God and to get that whole bunch, plus anybody else you can, to heaven. That's what he's left us here to do, to advance his kingdom, to to deal with the Lord's business. Please look at me. To deal with the Lord's business and to deal with your own souls and the souls of your loved ones with some urgency, with some diligence, intentional. That's your business. In the Matthew 7 passage, we have contained within it the need to be about the Lord's business also. What do you say? Lord, Lord, we not prophesied. No, Lord, Lord. Uh, no, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What do you say? But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. If we know him, we'll be about doing his business. So, this professor that said, Lord, Lord was not someone that the master was familiar with. If we work for somebody and we want to be pleasing to somebody, we're going to get to know not only our job, but we're also going to get to know them. He says, I don't know you as one of my servants. I I don't recognize you as somebody that's been working for me. So when it comes to God's work, would God recognize you because you're one that's been about doing His work? And the I never knew means that if He... Okay, so He says, I never knew you. What a, what a wonderful, promising verse. I never knew you means that If he has ever known you as a servant, he will know you on the day of judgment. Another great security verse. He did not know them because they were only hypocrites doing things for the wrong reason and not for his glory. Personal benefit. In the Matthew 25, 12 passage, we have the details of some striving. The, 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 the virgins were there. They stayed in the house. They had their lamps. But they were not doing the work, the striving that leads to salvation. This is not something to be taken lightly. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with how much of your heart? That is pretty diligent striving. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We don't give a heart We don't give half-hearted efforts to the work of the Lord. We give all the effort. You ever heard of the names Martin Luther and John Bunyan? Great men of God. 
they struggled and sought after the Lord for months, striving to know Him, to believe in Him, <coughs> to believe the gospel message. Don't you, uh, and it's been, a, it's been a minute, and you, you wouldn't believe uh, at Jeannie's uh, family, family's family reunion yesterday. She has a, a cousin that's 83 or 84 years old. He's kind of the, he's kind of the patriarch. It's kind of holding it together now. Uh, he was there, and he was telling us about, uh, about this, 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 uh, this Bible that he thought he was ordering, and, and I don't think, I don't know what, he thought he was ordering a study Bible. That's what he, he thought he was ordering, and lo and behold, he got John MacArthur's one-year Bible. Okay, and I mean, this was just a great thing to him that he had found this one-year Bible that had, had Old Testament and New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs, and he, he thought to himself, I don't know if I like this or not, skipping around. He said it's amazing to him how it all works together. So, praise God, amen, uh, for the, for the one-year Bible. So striving. But you remember back in Genesis, it's been a couple of months ago now, uh, Jacob and Esau... And when Jacob was on the way to meet Esau, you remember that little wrestling match he had? You remember that? You remember what he said? Look at Genesis 32, 26. Then he said, <laughs> Jacob said, let me go. For the day is broken. They'd wrestled all night. But look at what Jacob said. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Listen. We're to tell God, I'm not going to let you go until you take hold of me, make me, make me yours, and I'm going to make you mine. I'm not going to let go until it happens. I'm not going to let go until I know it's happened. Now look, forget all of that mess that we have spouted over the last hundred years or so in which somebody thinks that they can get a little stirred up at a message, come forward, say a prayer, and get saved. Striving to know the Lord. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. Matthew Henry says this. What a quote. Do you have it? The reason why many come short of grace and glory is because they rest in a lazy seeking of that which will not be attained without a laborious striving. You won't find Jesus being lazy and searching for him. The five foolish were there, but they were not diligent, they were not persistent, and they were not ready. Number two, be putting off sin. Matthew 7, 23, and then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This surely implies that this one that said, Lord, Lord, and had preached and driven out demons was a worker of evil. Looks and doing, doing the, the, the work of the devil in your mind or uh, uh, over here and doing the work of God over here is not compatible. And I think a lot of that comes with this word compartmentalization. I'll be this at church, 
this at home, and this at work. A worker of evil without conviction and or repentance is not a child of God. As a companion verse for both chapter 7 and also for chapter 25 is 2 Timothy 2.19. You have it there. 2 Timothy 2.19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from, what's another word for that? Sin. If we are not of those who are always putting off sin, are you ready? He doesn't know us. Knowing him will be a process of always putting off the old and putting on the new. That's called sanctification. And the same grace that saves us is the same grace that sanctifies us. And it doesn't go away when you say the prayer or think you got saved. It continues. Matthew Henry again, If the name of Christ be called upon us by us, we must depart from iniquity. Sin. Matthew 7, 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If we're not of those who are always putting off of sin, he does not know us. 2 Timothy 2, 19c, Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Professing Christians who call on the name of the Lord are to repent and turn from sin. Which ones? <laughs> so, y'all know, y'all know my text there. I said, I said it this morning. Uh, in, it's what's on the inside of me that, that's a problem. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Y'all know all of those? Well, here, here's where I'm at, okay? So, when I get through with those, I'm going to go to the fruit of the flesh. They're a tad different. You know what I'm talking about? We are to live a life of examination self-examination, examination by the Spirit, and we are to live a life of putting off sin. If we're a child of God, if we know Him or He knows us, that will reflect who we are. Titus 2.14 Who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, look here, and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, and look at what follows this. A person who is repentant and confessing and putting off sin is also people who are zealous for good works. Goes together. Diligent, striving, working, repentance, confession, it all goes together. 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Listen. I don't recommend it, but I think it would be better to run with a known lost person than to run with someone who proclaims to be Christ 
but living like, be Christians, but living like the devil. What's he say? Don't run with those people. Depart from those people. You know what I'm talking about? People who say they're Christians, but are living in known and willful sin without any conviction or repentance or confession. You don't want to hang around those folks. That's what he says. We have been given the power to live a changed life. A life of confession, repentance, and a continual turning from sin. So be diligent about the work that you're doing. Be putting off sin. And number three, be sure you've entered into the kingdom of God. Entering at the time allotted while the door is open. Look at me, young people. Today the door is open. It's been open for 2,000 years. It will not always be open. The Lord returns or we die. The door will be shut. Luke 13, 25 through 27. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you began to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. You remember those people there, there when he was there? But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Verse 10 again, while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was what? Shut. This is uh, one of the mysteries of the gospel. Matthew 25, 12, but he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Isaiah 55, 6, are you listening? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Mark 1, 14 and 15, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, I don't know how many times in my life, I don't know how many times in your life that the Lord has been near. He, he's near today. He's within arm's rinks of you. And, 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 and you're at the place where if you're willing to do two things, repent and believe the gospel, you can enter into the kingdom of God. But not every day is that way. And we don't know how many of those days that we'll have before the door shut. So what does this mean? Well, for those foolish virgins, there came a time when they could not enter into the door of the banquet. Waited up all night until they fell asleep. I don't know if they'd been there one night, two nights. Came a time when they could not enter in. Quickly pass through this scripture, you've got it. Truly I, truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. 
And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So that hour is here, the hour of grace, the, the hour that has been given to mankind since Christ's coming, revealing himself until he comes, to, comes again into death. We have this hour, we have this time period in our lives that we can enter into the door of the kingdom of God. That time's here. It's been here for 2,000 years. I don't know how much more time we have. Don't know how much time we have individually. So that's one hour. Now here's the other hour that's going to happen too, just to surely. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So there's another hour coming, the hour of judgment, in which all the bodies will come out, the souls will be reunited, and we'll stand before God in judgment. That hour is surely coming. When that hour is coming, you've got to be ready. Or when death comes, you've got to be ready. Think of the day that is coming and the decisions of that day. Goats and sheep. Hell and heaven. That day's coming. The Bible says many, if not most, will not be ready. Luke 13, 25a, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door. There's a day when the master of the house will rise and shut the door. Christ is that master. In the temple of the church, there are carnal professors who worship, and they can only worship in the outer court. You remember the outer courtyard and the holy place in the tabernacle? The only place they can enter is there. But they're spiritual professors who worship within the veil. They are close to Christ. Did you hear me? They are close to Christ. They know Christ. They're devoted to Christ. They're devoted to piety, and they're devoted to good works. They're devoted to confession and repentance. Today, the, the door here separating us from him is still open. But when the master of the house rises and shuts the door, the door will, there will be no entry at that time. Isaiah 22, 2, and you don't have it. Uh, I saw it this morning. In 22, 22, listen to what it says. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. When the Lord shut the door, nobody's going to open it. So now's the time to enter in. Matthew Henry again says, the door of mercy, did you hear? You remember that? You remember the publicans, the tax collectors and the Pharisees? What that publican do? Beat on his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wow. The door of mercy and grace has long stood open, but they would not come in by it. They would not be holding to the favor of that door, Jesus. They hope to climb up some other way to heaven and to get to heaven by their own merits. And therefore, when the master of the house is risen up, he will justly shut that door. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will say, Lord, the door was never open. 
This is another one of those deals. This is another one of those deals for eternity. You'll remember being explained to that that door is open. And for eternity, all you will be able to remember is with the door shut and you were on the outside when you had a chance to enter. When Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were safe in the ark, what happened? God shut the door. The rest were left to find their own safety. How many found it? Because the door was shut. So be enthusiastic and intentional and persistent about seeking God and doing the will of God. Be about putting off of sin. And be sure you have entered into the kingdom of God. I'm I'm, I'm done. Listen to this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Let me clearly tell you what the gospel is. You and I are sinners that need a Savior. You and I have broken God's law, laws, and we need a sacrifice. That's the bad news. Well, the good news is God has provided the perfect sacrifice, and that is in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that you're praying, God, open my eyes to see that I'm a sinner. Show me Christ as that sacrifice, as my Savior, so that I might enter into the kingdom of God. And listen to what it says in verse 15. And the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is where? Hold out your hand. It's just that close. Repent and believe the gospel. Because of what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, because of what he did, not to get him to do it, we are required to stop going in our direction and to go consistently, diligently in his direction, living for his honor and glory. That's repentance. And you, you remember what he said, you workers of lawlessness? He, he used another word, iniquity. What killed Christ on the cross? Our sins. We've got to turn from those sins that, that killed Christ. We've got to turn from those sins that keep us separated from him. I pray in the name of Jesus that today would be the day that you repent and believe the gospel. You know that door we've been talking about? You know what Jesus says about himself? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. Uh, Come to him today. Lewis is going to come and uh, wrap this up, and then Jimmy will come and give us our devotion for the Lord's Supper.